Today's episode may not be suitable for children under 12. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome to the Story King podcast, where great stories are read, discussed, and given their due honor. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's story is by Eddie Newton. This story is by a contemporary author. This is not a public domain story. Eddie Newton has had several short stories published and has won the Robert L. Fish Memorial Award for Best First Mystery Short Story. He has a political thriller available on Amazon called American Her Story. And his forthcoming novel, Horror Frost, is being published this winter and will also be available both digitally and in print on Amazon. He and myself both contributed stories to an apocalyptic anthology published in 2018 called Enter the Aftermath. It's a collection of -of end-of-the-world stories, as you may have guessed. And normally, we're used to massive destruction with scorched skies and blackened seas and land-laid wastes. But Eddie Newton's story has such a unique take on an apocalyptic scenario that I had to share it on the show. The story is called Forget. And here it is. Labor Day. We stand side by side, staring out to sea. I remember another time when we were young when my brother and I stood in the same spot on the same beach watching the same sunrise on a different day. I remember the scent of salt and sea life wafting off the waves. He sported sunglasses with red tinted lenses pushed up on his head making his sunstreaked blonde stick up in a turkey's tail feathers. While I wore shorts he was short on laundry and wore faded jeans rolled up over knobby knees. He whistled the Michael Jackson song softly in a duet with the soughing surf. Sand squished between toes, soft and white and warm. I cannot recall my brother's name. Fifty years and so much has faded. It is getting worse. My brother shows more advanced signs than I do. But deterioration is deleterious, indiscriminate of degrees. We will all become a blank slate in due time. The progression of erasure of memories and the subjects of succession of retention remains random and unique to the individual. Three months in, and some exhibit just subtle effects of onset amnesia, while others have forgotten their own name. I still remember its beginning. An extraordinary electrical interference caused by unprecedented solar flares activated the ambient electromagnetic grid. Radio waves, cosmic waves, neutrinos, microwaves, and radar encompass existence all around the globe at any given time. The solar flare mutated this energy, and now we all slowly forget. I am lucky. I forgot the name of my brother, but I still remember my wife, Camila. My son Santiago, our daughters, Lucia and Julieta. My father blessedly passed from heart disease five years ago and did not suffer the effects of this phenomenon. My mother has forgotten almost everything about him. I am going out for a swim, my brother says. He is prepared this time. He wears trunks loose and baggy around hips that are rounder and a backside more prodigious than previously. A rash guard stretched over the figure of an unfit 50 instead of a 15-year-old in his prime. Yet he bounds into the surf with a youthful bounce. Maybe he forgot the last four decades and feels like the boy I remember. I watch him swim for the sun, the red star dipping down and diving deep. He grows smaller and farther. He does not stop. Even if I wanted to go after him, I forgot how to swim weeks ago. Does he mean to not come back, or did he simply forget to turn around? I will never know. Pretty soon, I won't even remember he is gone. Pretty soon, but not today. I don't remember my brother's name, but I cry as day turns to night nonetheless. He is my brother after all, and for tonight at least, I still remember. Halloween. I take my family east. Rumor had it there might be a cure, in Kansas, so we sojourn east on foot. 
It is too foolish to fly, trains are dangerous, and it is deadly to drive. Pilots started to forget how to fly not long after the event, planes falling out of the sky here and there before the big birds were finally grounded. Still, occasionally a jet or a smaller plane will fly overhead. Maybe the pilot dared defy ordinance, or perhaps whoever was flying just forgot it as forbidden. They still fall out of the sky sometimes. Cars are worse. Desperation trumps caution too often. So many died in those first weeks as victims in denial of dementia refused to remain off the roads and forgot how to drive, doing 60 miles per hour down a residential street. Thousands died in vehicular accidents as drivers and passengers or pedestrians become roadkill. Safe passages like Interstate 15 out of San Diego are barricaded so no vehicles could enter the system. Now hundreds of thousands clog the highway moving east, mass exodus on an unprecedented scale. The forgetfulness affects each differently. Camilla is losing pieces of her past, holes in her memory multiplying. She cannot recall how we met or where we went on last year's vacation or giving birth to Lucia. But she does remember things like our wedding and our other children's deliveries and that I stood her up at the restaurant when I missed our first anniversary. Santiago forgot how to tie his own shoes and resorts to loafers. Julieta can't remember the names of any food. My mother forgot how to walk. We take turns pushing her across California in a wheelchair. The desert is dangerous. Some forget to drink, keeling over along the road. The sun bakes the stink out of them, a nauseating stench that extends for miles and miles. Others are like my mother and forget how to walk. Sometimes companions sit with them, a spell, but inevitably they move on, leaving behind those that forget how to use their legs. Maybe the ones that move along truly forget, or maybe they simply said so to alleviate leaving a loved one behind to broil. Others misremember direction and walk off the highway into the endless expanse of sand. Death Valley is truly a valley of death. Corpses like critters, once ruined by speeding vehicles, litter the highway. The ones that forget to politely die in the ditch and instead drop dead down in the middle of the road. We steer mom's wheelchair around bodies like traffic pylons, denoting a deconstruction zone that stretches from Barstow to Prim. Some sufferers still writhe and moan, but they will forget how to move soon enough and die still like the rest. Strangers dismiss strangers. There's too much to forget without meeting new people and making new memories. It just means more to lose. Everyone is focused on clinging to remaining memory as long as possible. It is dangerous to even meet another man's eyes, so many have that confused look of where they left their keys, only it is maybe their own name they forgot. What was the name of the dog, Dad? Julietta asks. She alone likes to revisit memories recently departed. The rest of the family ignores the holes in their histories. Not everyone resists the inevitable. Hope is slippery when evidence all around only reinforces futility. Julietta is youngest at 16 and refuses to renege collection. Snoopy, I answer. Why did we name it Snoopy, she asked. After the cartoon, I said. She stared, understanding escaping her. She does not know what I am talking about anymore. We pass a sign called Hollerin Springs. Santiago stares like he cannot remember how to read the words. Julieta glares at an Oreo in her right hand like she is not sure what to do with it. Camilla looks at the sky, and I am afraid of what I will see in her eyes if she looks at me instead. Lucia sings, on the road again, but hums every third word because she can't remember. None of us are pushing anything. I realize that is wrong, that something is missing, but I cannot remember what it is for the life of me. Thanksgiving. Las Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in... something. Every avenue is dangerous, but we forget to fear. There are still businesses open. There will come a time when they will all be closed. The proprietors are all dead, or forgot their trade, or just forgot to come to work. Sometimes chefs forget how to make a signature dish, adding hemlock instead of thyme. 
For now, a place still serves fried foods, a small cafe at the outskirts of town, right off I-15. I am amazed when the waitress comes back with our food. She would not be the first to take our order and walk off, thinking she still worked at a job from ten years in the past, or wandering back to her kindergarten room after losing the last three decades of her memory. Your best friend in the world could become a stranger in the blink of an eye, and you can forget the love of your life in the time it takes to turn around. I have a burger. Camilla eats a salad because she always has since she put on baby weight that never came back off. I remember mere months ago that she was a hundred pounds heavier and the weight has disappeared as if her fat forgot to stay on her hips and thighs and middle. Santiago scarfs down a batch of fries. He used to only eat them with ketchup, but today he eats them plain, condiments forgotten. Lucia still remembers that chocolate malts are her favorite. My wife watches a man who forgot how to swallow. He is emaciated, yet mastication escapes him. The plate of indiscriminate gruel in front of him is demolished, and he stares at it with the contempt of an alcoholic contemplating his first drink in decades. It looks like he has been at this for some time. He takes a spoon and scoops it full, raising the mush to mouth. His hand shakes. It may be palsy or paranoia. He knows what's coming. It goes in. It does not go down. The man gags, chokes, coughing and wheezing. I stand, but someone closer gets to him first. Heimlich. Porridge spews everywhere. How many times have I told you it won't work, Henry? Asked the man who saved him. I don't remember, Lou, says Henry. It is a phrase more common than hello these days. You need an IV, suggests Lou. You're going to die otherwise. We're all going to die, Lou. Christmas. We're outside St. George. The world is quieter. Distractions of the electronic sort are shunned, reminders of a life and world that seem like someone else's. Social media became extinct when society shut down. We are all solitary ships drifting on an endless ocean of incoherent experience. Clusters of people pass in twos or threes, never any group numbering more than five, the fleeting few who still remember one another. Mostly solitary pilgrims march along toward a common destination. Kansas is the last bastion of hope. I remember forgetting, the name on the tip of your tongue that flits frustratingly away again and again and again, Camilla asking me to stop on my way home for a gallon of milk and I showed up on our doorstep empty-handed, my brother telling a story about when we were kids and I cannot recall it ever happening, I remember that I used to forget some things, now I forget remembering most things. I never had a first kiss, Santiago sadly confesses as we walk steadily east, the seasons turning cold and harsh. Sure you did, son, I disagree, you just forgot. No, I remember never having something to remember, Santiago says. I might not remember my middle name, but I know I never kissed a girl, and now it's too late. It's never too late, Santiago, I promise. There is always hope. I don't even care to bother, Dad, Santiago declares. I would just forget it soon enough anyway. Some things are hard to forget, son. But everything is forgotten eventually. Remember Julieta? I do not, he nods. Santiago understands. I remember when he was three and... It's lost. Forgotten. You cannot forget that, what you never knew in the first place, I say. Does the importance of an event only remain important if it is remembered? I ask the question to myself as much as my son. What would I have avoided if I knew they would never be remembered? Nothing. All of the events occurred because otherwise existence would be wasted. I may forget everything else, but I will never forget that it was all worth it. Camilla stares into the morning sun as if trying to remember what it is called. Lucia recites the Lord's Prayer over and over lest she loses the words and misses the meaning. This is my family, just the three of us. I hope I never forget either one of them. New Year's. It is night when someone can't recall how to do it right and does it wrong. The sound is like thunder off in the north. For a moment, I worry that the sun rises in the north, 
but it is only midnight and this is not dawn. Someone detonated nuclear weapons on American soil. Someone did not know what they were doing. The media reports it as an accident. What scant news outlets remain, broadcast solely on old AM radio frequencies. The internet ended weeks ago. Not enough minds remain to know enough to keep it active. Pretty blonde women and handsome mature men, known for being telegenic newscasters, now trip and stutter on the airwaves on radios from coast to coast, forgetting every fourth word. Facts still filter out, and it seems that human error is the culprit in killing some half million people in a split second. They were the lucky ones, Camilla quips, as we listen to the details coming over a portable transistor radio Lucia found by the side of the road a hundred miles back. Whoever had it probably forgot how to change the batteries. Dead men harbor no hopes, I say. Neither do most of the live ones, Camilla replies. At least it was quick and painless. They didn't have time to forget to be happy for a merciful end, Lucia adds. Most of them probably didn't even remember to be scared, Camilla agrees. There is still hope. We have a chance, I say. Kansas is getting closer. Your optimism is irritating, Eduardo, Camilla sneers. I might have found it endearing at one point, but blessedly such moments have fallen to the effects of this global amnesia. I do not want to remember your sappy treacle in the face of human extinction. Before morning, the last lights of human habitation that once peppered along the highway wink away. Electricity finally erased like remember when and once upon a time. Stark darkness is offset only by the scattered white of the starlit sky and the persistent glow along the northern horizon. The grid failed, according to the radio reporter, either by effect of the nuclear explosion or a culmination of system failures accelerating over the course of recent weeks. The people that could fix it either forgot how, or forgot where, forgot to drink and died of dehydration, or are deceased in other myriad of ways. I refuse to forget my family. I do not know if I ever had a brother or sister. I cannot recall the face of my mother or father, but Camilla and Lucia are my everything. I wear a heavy parka against the January cold and keep a Polaroid picture of them pinned on the inside breast. I remember how to use the contraption when I found it yesterday, but already discarded it this morning when I forgot what button to push and which way to point it. With a black marker, I printed their names at the bottom. I will never forget my wife and daughter. Valentine's Day. Lucia stares at a bottle of Coke. She cannot remember how to open it. I reach over and twist the cap. Thanks, Dad, she says. I know there is usually a response to a thank you, but I forget what people say. I watch a woman with her baby. I hope she makes it all the way to Kansas. I have witnessed adults walk away from infants, abandoning them to perfect strangers. I remember Lucia, although she is hardly a baby. I can never forget my own daughter. Some do. It is inherent in human nature to care for the little ones, so strangers by the thousands have assumed temporary adoption of these abandoned infants. When one forgets, another assumes responsibility. It gives me hope. Hope that a large enough number of people will remember enough to get the rest to safety. The woman with the baby does not forget. Not today. Not right now. She scoops up the fretting infant and moves east. Onward. Kansas, Kansas, Kansas. I still have the Polaroid in my parka. I feel fortunate that I have not needed it yet. So far, I have forgotten Spanish, my encyclopedic knowledge of professional wrestling, my own birthday, and the entire year of my life when I battled and survived prostate cancer. Camilla tells me the things I forgot. I tell her the things she forgets until she forgets me. It happens just before sunset on Valentine's Day. She looks at me with love in her eyes as I give her a box of chocolates I looted from an abandoned convenience store three weeks ago. She pulls the ribbon, removes the cover, and seems smitten by the smatter of chocolate morsels. When she looks up again, I am a stranger. What have you done with Rocco? She snaps, voice higher, accent thicker. Rocco, I ask. Is it something I forgot? My boyfriend, jerk. He wouldn't like you giving me candy. 
Rocco Ramon. Camilla dated him in high school before she met me. She was 16 when they broke up. The last 35 years just erased from the mind of my wife. You forgot, Camilla. It's me, Eduardo, I say, knowing it is pointless. She is gone. Mom, Lucia tries. Camilla glares at her daughter, who looks older than Camilla remembers being herself. Is that some kind of joke, chica? You dress like a clown. Camilla looks around. A sign says Salt Lake City one way, Denver the other. Neither is the direction she will go. Rocco is in California. He died 20 years ago in a motorcycle accident, but Camilla doesn't know that. She probably remembers seeing him yesterday. I love her today as much as yesterday, as much as the day we were married, more than the day we met when she was just 17, eons ago. She does not even know my name. I am a stranger to her, and she is a stranger wearing my wife's face. Please, Lucia begs. Rocco needs me, Camila says, and a pout perfected by teenage narcissism. She turns and starts west. We cannot stop her. Many have tried as loved ones forget their present or their everything and wander off in a different direction. The only hope lies to the east, only Kansas. We cannot afford to follow her. And even if the two of us can force her for a while, it is impossible to keep her moving against her will. Once lost, it is never re-remembered. The effect is permanent. Camila is lost. For the first time in a long time, I realize what I have lost. I cry. A lot. Camilla lost as much as I did, yet she seemed perfectly at peace with leaving our 35 years unceremoniously rejected in the middle of Interstate 70. Maybe it would have been better if I had forgotten her, too. What did someone say once? Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? That idiot obviously died before memory was rendered into oblivion. From a brief moment, hope escapes me, and I long for the relief of unremembrance. Then Lucia takes my hand, turns me east, and we start walking again, onward. There is no other way. Easter. Lucia forgot her shoes after we set out last week near Aurora. Forgetfulness is not coming any faster, but neither is it slowing down. The ponderous progression of degeneration continued, and I decided returning for footwear was contradictory to our best interests. I thought we would come along a corpse or a shoe store where we could replenish. Instead, her feet have become bloody and blistered. She leaves a faint scarlet trail behind her like Jesus' footsteps in the sand. We stop for lunch, and the spring breeze is a bittersweet accompaniment to our meal. Last year for Easter, we were together. Camilla made mountains of mashed potatoes, several servings of lemon green beans, a turkey big enough to feed five, and cupcake desserts in the shapes of little bodies of water, each named after one of the Great Lakes. Camilla ate Superior, I ate Lake Michigan, and Lucia swallowed Ontario in one big bite. What about Huron and Erie? What had I forgotten? Zombies, she says, more accusing than observation. The grazing herd that Lucia dubbed zombies numbers in the thousands along Interstate 70. Worldwide, millions must certainly be so afflicted. These are the ones that forgot their own humanity. They do not remember being a person. Memory of life, speech, purpose, promise, all erased. They felt no physical effects of forgetfulness, just the mental erasure that left those affected less cognitive than an incurious cat or a purposeless gnat. Lucia has expressed often after Camilla left us that she will not devolve into the obtuse automatons lurching directionless along the freeway. These are the dredges of humanity, the ones that have forgotten how to even think. More and more each passing day join the ranks of mindless meanderers. Harmless, pointless, the herd of zombies shuffles aimlessly, waiting to die from thirst or starvation. The picture stays in my parka. I look at Camilla every day. She is forever frozen in that moment, yet I know she is no longer that woman. But people are never as we remember them anyway, always something other than recollected. We shape what had been to fit with what is now. Excuses, editing, revisions, something other than what really was. The only truth is in the moment, right now. I believe in my darkest minute that this global amnesia is a blessing rather than a curse.
I am going to pee before we go again, Lucia informs, limping off to make latrine off in the woods. I watch where she enters the copse of evergreens in case she forgets to come back or loses which way is which. Kansas is getting closer. It is the singular thought that moves me forward. The zombies stumble directionless in ditches and along asphalt, but the people that still remember move purposefully east, just a few weeks away. I am at the precipice of promise. All is not yet lost. If I can just make it to Kansas, I can quit losing the special pieces of my life. Camilla left me. She left me all alone. But spring is here, turning seasons, a warmer future. I leave the parka behind as it symbolizes winter and coldness and the frigid memory of Camilla turning away and walking the wrong direction. I don't need it to keep me warm anymore. On the highway, intermittently visible amongst the hordes of aimless zombies, are faint bloody footprints. I feel sorry for that sad soul who has to make the last leg of this trek to the promised land in bare feet. Memorial Day. Kansas. Nothing. Someone sits at the border along Interstate 70 where the highway crosses into Kansas. She looks wise, but wisdom lately is just one person remembering what everyone else forgot. Her eyes are kind, as if she feels terrible imparting truth to feeble minds too brittle to handle harsh reality. I am sorry, she says, again and again as we walk by. There is nothing to remember here. It turns out we were thinking about a movie, those of us that started this expedition east. Word spread from a few delusional amnesiacs who remembered hope from somewhere, but forgot the source. I was thinking of a movie, The Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home, but we are not going to wake up from this. It isn't a dream. I remembered hope, but I forgot it was fiction. This is the end. If there is still hope from some other source, I am too far gone to find it. I do not remember where I came from, or who I came with, or even my own name. I forgot how to read a few days ago. Pretty soon, I will forget how to walk, or how to eat, or how to form words. Maybe I will be a zombie walking the byways of America. Maybe I will starve to death in a ditch. Maybe I will remember to walk off a bridge before it gets that bad. I walk because there is nothing else. I eat because I am not ready to die. I sleep but there are no dreams because my mind forgot how to. Something bright rises in the sky but I do not know what it is called. I eat something from a bag that crunches and that tastes good but I cannot remember what they are called. My shirt is unbuttoned because I forgot how to fix it. Pain stabs under my belly from the insides, but I do not remember how to take care of it. An animal watches me from the side of the road, but I do not know if I should be afraid. I do not remember what fear is. A sign along the road points in another direction. Can read? I ask a stranger. I forget the rest of the words to make a complete sentence. He nods. It says, now, he translates. Now? I ask. It's all we have left, the stranger answers. He turns and follows the arrow. I stand in one place a moment. Maybe I should stay a while. There is a long road behind me. I have been moving east for a very long time. But hope fades. Promise is a lie. Kansas is just a movie. I take the exit. Might as well live in the present before I forget that too. So that's the end of the story. It's a sad one. But again, it's from an apocalyptic anthology. So these are all end-of-the-world stories. What I really enjoyed is how Newton shows the main character forgetting more and more as the story progresses. He really did a good job with that. He's forgetting family members, even the ones in wheelchairs. A global amnesia has taken place. That basic premise I find so unique in the apocalyptic genre. Besides being catastrophic, the story really explores memory and its place in our lives and how it shapes our identities. Again, that's from Enter the Aftermath by Tanstaffel Press, available on Amazon. I'll put the link in the show notes. And Eddie Newton's new book, Horror Frost, is being published this winter. That will be available digitally and in print on Amazon. You can follow Eddie Newton on Facebook for updates at www.facebook.com forward slash the wider world. 
Also, if you yourself have written a story you'd like me to read on the show, please email it to storykingpodcast at gmail.com. If I like it, I just might read it. Try to make it between one to 3,000 words, though. I personally enjoy speculative fiction if you want to win me over, but I won't tell you what to write. Just make sure it's good. Again, that's storykingpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to be a part of what we're doing on The Story King, please consider becoming a patron. You can visit my page at www.patreon.com forward slash The Story King. The link will be in the show notes as well. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a very practical and tangible way to support your favorite content creators. Podcasts and books take a great deal of time and resources to produce, so if you appreciate what we're doing with The Story King, becoming a patron would go a long way. On our Patreon page, there are three monthly subscription tiers available. At the $5 tier, you get immediate access to The Story King Podcast Exclusive Edition, where I'll be reading some of my own stories, as well as famous ones that are too long for the main show. At the $10 tier, you of course get access to the private podcast, but you'll also receive an autographed copy of every book I release, such as my latest novella, Darren DeLuza and the Devil. And lastly, there's the $20 option, which includes everything in the first two tiers, but it also provides a way for you to promote your own work on the Story King podcast. So if you've written a book or have a blog, I'll feature it on one of my episodes and include a 3-5 minute phone interview. Please consider becoming a Story King patron and get access to all the exclusive content. My page is patreon.com forward slash the story king. You can follow us on YouTube and Twitter. The links will be in the show notes. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash story king podcast. Thank you for listening to the story king podcast where great stories are read, discussed, and given their due honor. Please join us next week for another great story. Until then. Until then.